Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, so there we go. So, Brian, today we are talking about financial literacy, and it's such an important conversation to have. But before we do that, uh, you've got an update on a couple of stories. The one big one, of course, has been this issue of, um, in particular, government workers being able to access part of their pension funds um, what's the update on that? Well, the expectation was that there would be some movement this year. The mm-hmm. Treasury would publish a draft bill for comment and finalization that members contributing to pension and problem fund would be able to borrow on their withdrawal benefit. Well, the draft bill came out, and although industry is quite relieved and pleased about it, I think the people in the streets are going to feel very, very shocked. What they've done is they say they're going to do it. They're going to do it in a two-pot basis. The first pot of two-thirds of your retirement money that you've contributed to the retirement fund will be set aside, and you cannot touch But even worse than that, even when you get to retirement, you're not going to be able to take that one third in cash if it's because you are then that money that's been uh, ring fenced, you're going to have to take in the form of a pension. And that is something that was not expected, particularly from provident funds, because provident funds at retirement, you can get the cash. The balance of one third is going to be set into a fund where you can withdraw, but this is the trick. Anything you withdraw will be taxed at marginal rates of tax, not the withdrawal benefit taxes. Now, if you're earning over, say, 260, 280,000 rand a year, your mar- it will be added to your marginal rate of tax, and you will pay tax at over 30%. And as your earnings go up, you could pay as much as 45. But there's even a worse caveat, mm. and that is you are not going to be able to withdraw anything from your retirement funds after promulgation, everything will be will be frozen and vested. It's only future contributions that you're going to be able to withdraw. And they're looking maybe for the bill only to come into effect the 1st of March 2024. So if you think about it, after 12 months in 2024 to 225, if you've contributed 50,000 in that year, only one third of that 50,000 will you be able to withdraw. So it is certainly not what members were hoping for. They were hoping to be able to withdraw funds, be able to pay off some debt and do other things. Brian, does it sounds to me that you know the the money is even more ring fenced under this legislation than it would have ordinarily. Am yes. I reading that that wrong? Yes, you're reading it absolutely correct. There's, there's vested rights and rights, but it is certainly more ring fenced. Uh, although up to now, the money that you've contributed will be vested and be protected. It's only future money that'll become more ring fenced. So at the moment, if you withdraw from your fund, you can always withdraw prior mm-hmm. to retirement. That doesn't mean you start thinking about withdrawal now. Please don't get me wrong. The, the Treasury bill is out there for comments. I'm just saying it's a lot different to what people. We've had people calling mm-hmm. us. I've had people on radio, TV saying, when is this legislation going to come in? We need to withdraw. I've got a million rand sitting in my fund. That million rand, you will not be able to draw. It's only future contributions. And then the second shock was the tax. You know, the withdrawal tax, pay you pay the, up to the 
you get 25,000 free of tax, the next up to 660 to 18%. Now you're going to pay marginal rates of tax, which means, and this is where financial literacy comes in, marginal rates of tax means it gets added to everything else you earn. So if you're earning, say, 250,000 and you were to withdraw 50,000, they would add to that to your taxable income. You would now be taxed on 300,000, not under 250, and taxes progressively going up until a maximum rate of 45%. So, so, so on the marginal tax issue, would it be on just the year of withdrawal? So if I withdraw, for example, that extra 50,000 rand, I know it doesn't apply now to current savings, it's only to future savings, but I'll use 2022 as an example. So if I then were to withdraw 50,000 rand from that pension fund, does that mean that my marginal tax for 2022 would go up uh, because of this boosted income from whatever I have withdrawn? But in 2023, it will go back to what it was before. Absolutely correct. It's like okay. a bonus. It's like right. when you receive a bonus at the end of the year, it gets added to what you've earned and your tax rates are. So I, I must tell you, it's, it, it's really, uh, look, I'm, I'm not saying government are trying to protect people and trying to say you need to save for retirement. We've had this discussion. We know individuals are saying all good and well, 30-year retirement, but what about today? I need to live today. I've got debt, interest rates up. I can't afford what I'm paying. But it's really not going to give uh, members what they were hoping for uh, in terms of their ability to access funds. Mm. And, and, you know, what you're saying about then the issue of financial literacy is important because it's about saying, do we really understand some of the terms and conditions that apply to the financial decisions that we are making on a day-to-day basis, and I think that applies across the board. It's not just um, on issues of retirement. Yeah, there was there was this article in the Saturday Financial Store which spoke about um, how lit- how financial literacy has deteriorated in so many areas, mm. people not understanding. I mean, we just use one example where we talk, spoke about a boost to your income. If you've got money sitting in the bank, there's a very different rate and term to gross income and net interest. In other words, if you're going to get 7%, you're going to pay ta- that's going to get added to your taxable income. So if you've got a million rand is sitting in the bank account earning 7%, you're not going to get 7% if you're earning because that 7%, that 70,000 rand a year is going to be added to what you've already earned in this year and you're going to be paying tax accordingly. So now you need to understand that if you're under the age of 65, of that 70,000, the first 22,800 rand, somewhere around about there, is tax-free. And if you're over 65, 34,500. So the first question or the first area that people don't understand is that the rate you get, the gross rate, does not mean it's the net rate you're going to get because you still have to take into account tax. And some people earning in three, four hundred thousand rand, if they're getting seven, think they're getting seven percent, they're only probably getting 4.8, 4.9%, which doesn't even match two-thirds mm-hmm. of inflation rate. So money in the bank and when I talk about inflation, the word inflation, we hear it all the time. One of the terms of inflation is a simple answer, explanation of inflation is go to a supermarket today, fill the, super, fill the basket, 
go out, go to the side of the supermarket, half the market, take half the goods out, and that's how much you're going to be getting in 10 years' time with the same money that you're using now. That's what inflation means. It means buying less, all costs going up. So interest rates are important. It's net interest rate. What are you going to earn net and not gross? And also understanding inflation money sitting in a bank account that you need for use over the next one to three years is the right place to be. It's not an investment. It's saving. I'm going to spend the money. I've got a home. I need to put a deposit down. I've got a car. I've got educational costs. I've got all things I need to do. Don't take risk. But when you're looking to the long term, anything longer, five, seven, ten years, sitting in the bank, you're going to lose money because the purchasing power inflation on the interest after tax is going to be a lot lower and your ability to spend that money you'll be buying that much less and that's the explanation of inflation so inflation then one of the key things that we need to understand what else is on that list brian okay let's talk we spoke about this last week but because i'm talking about this simple and compound interest so sim- you've got to ask the bank when they're going to pay, when you're making investment, are you getting simple interest or is it compound interest? Simple interest means that you will only get interest on the capital you've invested. You will not get interest every year on the capital you invested plus interest, and then the following year, interest on the interest. You're only going to get in your capital. So if you're getting 10% simple interest, and there's an advert 12 and a half on 100,000 rand, you're going to get 12 and a half thousand in year one, 12 and a half thousand in year two, 12 and a half year, and so on. If you're getting compound interest, it means, mm-hmm. even though you're going to get a lower rate of interest, Next year, I'm going to, my 100,000 is going to give me, say, 9%. So I'm going to have 109,000. In the following 12 months, I'm going to get interest not only on the 100, but on the 109,000. And if you take that over a five or 10 year period, you'll find that 12.5% simple versus 85 to 9 compound equal each other. So you've got to always have a look. Am I getting simple or am I getting compound interest? So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, because again, this is often a question we'll get asked, which one is better? Well, in year one, 12 and a half is a lot better because you're getting it in year one, you're going to have 112,500. If you're getting compound of nine, you're going to have 109. But then if you're reinvesting, if this is the way you plan to save your money over the, when I talk about money market accounts, then over a long period of time, compound is usually a lot better than simple interest. One other thing I just wanted to talk about is marital regime, which people don't always understand. Prior, going back into the 80s, people either got married in community of property, which means you shared, husband and wife shared all their assets from day one. If you got married in community of property, then husband, whatever was the husband, whatever the wives, belonged to those. Then the system changed to a cruel system, and some people called it a cruel system, but the, <laughs> but the cruel system where if you get married with a cruel, that means everything the spouses bring in at date of marriage belongs to them. Any inheritances they receive belongs to them. But during the marriage, whatever is accrued, whatever is built up by the family unit, half belongs to the husband, half belongs to the wife. And if you're married without a cruel, then whatever is achieved in the marriage 
just belongs to each partner. So you need to always understand what is your accrual system. And if you haven't entered into a contract, then you're automatically married more like into community property, which means a sharing of assets, which I think certainly today when you think about divorce and you think about families built, you know, having families and then divorce happening and the wife is left without any earnings or very small earnings and the husband still got the job, I think is for, for, the, for the wife is, as I said, a very cruel system. Mm. So, so understand your marriage regime. It's very important. And then uh, while we're talking about that, let me just talk about divorce because so many people have spoken about divorce. When you get divorced and you marry in the accrual system, half of your husband's pension value belongs to you because it's all part of his asset. So if you're going to lay claim to that, you need to first make sure that the, the divorce contract deals with it because so many people deal with it in divorce, but they don't have it registered with the, with the pension fund, both the na- in the divorce agreement, the name of the pension fund, the number of the pension fund. And I've had so many situations where in the divorce it says it, but the insurance company can't comply with it because mm. they're not part, the, it has to be registered with the insurance company. And then the most important thing is don't leave it with your spouse. Take it out into your own pre- preservation fund. So if you get divorced, let's say the wife's entitled to 50000 with Draw it, don't take it out. Put it into a preservation funds, which means it's tax neutral. But that means all the future growth on that amount will be for your account. If you leave it in your husband's pension fund, all you will be entitled to is the money at the date of divorce. You will not be entitled to receive the money, the value as it grows. Mm. So just some things that people are not really aware of. And then maybe I'll just mention one more. Beneficiary under a life policy, which I've mentioned before, and <laughs> beneficiary under a pension fund. Under a life policy, you can leave money to whoever you want. I had a lady who wanted to know recently, she had a lover, he left money to her because she had a child with him, and she wanted to know, can she claim the money anonymously because she didn't want his dwarf to know that she existed and she didn't want to taint their, their memory of their father. Well, you can't. Mm-hmm. But under a pension fund, so you can nominate anyone you like, under a pension fund, your beneficiary nomination is not a beneficiary nomination. It's an indication to the trustees of the pension fund who would you like the money to go to. And the pension fund trustees do not have to give it to who you selected. They have to pay to dependents under Section 37C of the Pension Fund Act. In other words, if you've left it to your wife and you've got a second wife with children that you've been supporting, they will participate. And the insurance companies will take time to pay that money out until they are satisfied that they have found all the dependents. So understand, on your pension fund, please relook at your beneficiary nomination, which is purely an indication of your wishes, whereas Mm. in your life policy. And remember, if you get divorced, make sure you change the beneficiaries under your life policy. Because if you leave a girlfriend or a boyfriend for longer than 90 days, the insurance company will pay it to that person that you've left the money to, even though that was not your intention. Lastly, I'm going to say one more thing. If you're a non-smoker and you took out a policy when you were smoking, 
Go back to your insurance company. They will lower your rates. They could lower your premiums by anything up to 30 to 40% if you're now a non-smoker one year later. Mm. On the other hand, if you become a smoker, you don't. Re- you have an obligation to inform the companies and they may even uh, uh, higher your premiums. Your premiums may go up. But certainly for many people who have given up smoking, they may not have adjusted their life policies. Big savings if you tell the insurance company, I've stopped smoking. All right. Um, that's that's really, really useful advice, Brian. This is what I want us to do. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll play some of the WhatsApp voice notes that we have for you. Of course, the number to dial to get in touch with us for this hour, if you have a specific question for Brian, 011-714-2006. Let me read that again, 011-714-2006. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. We're talking finance with Brian Hirsch. Brian, before we get to the questions that our listeners are sending through, we forgot to talk about the will. And and one of the points I want you to make also includes, you know, an important issue that you've, you've mentioned before about wills, that what is said in your will doesn't necessarily override what you have in a life policy and even those that you've nominated as beneficiaries in a pension fund. Quite quite right. Well, let me talk about the will. Let me first say 70% throughout the world, people do not have a will. They just, so it's not only South African. We, it's a larger percentage in South Africa that don't have a will because people don't think they have enough assets to put it into a will. But the will is an important document because if you die with assets under 200, over 250000 you have to now have your estate finally. Um, it has to be wound up. And therefore, an executor has to be appointed. So the first thing is, if you don't have a will, it's going to go under the master's office. They're going to determine on the executor. And I can tell you right now, you, that's the last thing you want to happen. You do not want the master to appoint an executor. You want to have an executor who you know, knows your family. Who do they usually appoint? They will appoint someone. You could go to them and, and say, I'd like to, re- I'd like to, you to, the master to nominate such and such a firm. And next month, by the way, on the 16th of September, you've got Wills Week. So you can make, start making inquiries of attorneys who can draw up wills. They will draw up a will for you for free. So you can in, in next month. But the importance of a will is the, the document in, clearly states who do you want your assets to go to. Remember, if you're married uh, with accrual, half your assets are going already to your spouse. But who do you want the other half to go to? And the will will stand as it is. Your executor, who's the person who's appointed to wind up your state, has no discretion whatsoever. Give you an example. Recently wound up an estate for a client of ours who had an elderly lady who had three carers. She didn't leave money to those carers, and the family wanted the, us as executors to pay the fam- the family members ten thousand rand, the carers ten thousand rand each. We were not able to do it because the will didn't deal with it. We had to give the family the thirty thousand, and they paid the three carers. So everything that goes into your will, so it's a, it, it can be a one-page document. It must be signed, it must be dated, and it must be witnessed by two. People that have nothing to do with the will. In other words, you can't have your wife who's going to inherit or your children going to inherit witnessing the will. And then let me make this point. The beneficiary, which I said about the beneficiaries, the beneficiaries override your will. So if you appoint your your son 
in terms of your life policy and in the will you say that policy that I've got that I nominated my son as beneficiary is now um, excluded and I'm now leaving it to my wife the insurance company will not even look at the will they will pay it that's why the importance is checking your beneficiaries but that will document is important because if you've got children who is and, and there's any money any life policies from work or any li- life policy you've got or any investments Children under the age of 18 can't inherit, and you don't even want children at the age of 18 to inherit. You want them to go and study. So if you don't have a will and deal with what's going to happen and have a trust for your children, it's called a testamentary trust. It's not a trust that you create now. It's only on your death, but it says all the money is going to the trust. I've got trustees, and you know who those trustees, and they are responsible for making sure that my children are educated and the, the money goes to them. And then at a certain age, 25 or 30, they can inherit the capital. So if you have children and you don't have a will, you've got a bigger problem. Who's going to be the guardian and all those things? So get yourself a will, even if it's a one, if you've got very little, a one-page will. I leave my motor car, etc. But many people working have got group life insurance. They've got retirement funds. They may have other savings. Even they don't have a, have a will. And then, most important, recheck your will at least once every two years mm. to make sure it still meets with what you wish to happen on your death. All right, fantastic. Thanks for that, Brian. Let me go to Cape Town. Brajo, good morning. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you, Brajo. Ah, good, good. Good morning, Brian. I just wanted to ask um, if, if what, what's the status of my of the children of my wife or, or my girlfriend, I'm looking to get married, of my wife um, that she has with another man. Like, like, but they grow up, like, they are also my children. They're going to live in my house. Do they now also benefit in the case where I pass on? Well, under a life policy, if you've nominated them through a trust, because young children, uh, through, you can leave a policy and say, I nominate half the proceeds to go to a trust for my children and the other half to quarter to go to my wife or the other quarter to go to my new wife, whatever the case may be. Life policy, not a problem. Under your pension fund, any nomination, the trustees will have a look and to say, right, how are you supporting your children? How are you supporting your ex-wife? How are you supporting your new wife? And then they will, de- they will determine what percentage they're going to give each party and obviously if it's children again at a younger age you want it to be kept in a trust for them so so brian i think part of what brajo is asking is um also the kind of claim that these children would have um to whether it's his pension or life policy um beyond perhaps what is stated as the beneficiaries don't have a will and yes. if I don't have a will if I pass without a will um, in terms of the, um, the interstate laws Interstate, what, yes. What, what does it say? Yeah, what does it say? Yeah, well then, I mean, they, 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 what would happen is that every party who may have been a dependent would have a, would have a maintenance claim against the estate. But these are all laborious processes, proof and everything like that, and it just delays the payout. Mm-hmm. And let me say to you, this can take two to three years. So that's why mm-hmm. get your affairs in order, get that will drawn up, uh, and your policies, make sure you understand who the beneficiaries are, and your pension fund. And then in the will, clearly state, I'm leaving this to my children so that there's no fight afterwards. Because I can assure you, when people are claiming from an estate, there's always arguments that I'm not getting enough. And 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 all of a sudden, another child appears and Mm. and all different things happen. And and it's not, this is not just South Africa, by the way. This is global. Uh, And so get, get your affairs in order.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. Just, right. just by the way, mm-hmm. I've spoken about a life file. Uh, do you remember that? Yes, yes, yes. Perhaps we should touch on that again. That's getting all your mm, documents together so that if something does happen to you, then I, I said last night on television, if you didn't wake up this morning, how many people, how many of your family members would know to, where to find the will mm. if there is such a will? How would they know what your assets are? How would they know what your bank accounts? Even worse, what? how would they know what passwords you got? They, you know, they, everything's they, in the cloud they, today. They, 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 they must wait for the call. I mean, really. <laughs> they must say, we. they must wait for the call that says we have you listed as a beneficiary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Phoenix, Charmaine, good morning. Good morning. Hi. I'm calling about, hi, how are you? Well, thank you. Uh, Go for it. I'm calling about the my daughter's father. He's not married. So when I took him to court, the judge says that I, I don't qualify for his provident son because we're not registered in, well, we're not married legally. So how is that? And, and Charmaine, are you guys no longer together? No. He's married so, again, and he's got another child here. Okay. And is this yeah, just part of a maintenance claim? Uh, no, I did take him for the maintenance because he refused to pay for her when she was in matric. Mm-hmm. So now he's paying, and he, he's now driving these horse and trailers. And he earns uh, over three sticks a week. He's giving her a thousand rand a month to go and study, which is not much. Okay. And even this month, he defaulted. He didn't pay it. Mm. He said she must wait for this coming month. He didn't listen to the judge and pay at the end of July. He said he's going to put it this week. We don't know if he even put it. So so why are you making a claim against his pension, Charmaine? No, because um, I heard Brian say if you have a kid, if if they have kids, they're entitled to the pension fund. Okay. You're absolutely right. By the way, just remember something. If, he ha- if, if the court have made, has made it an order, then your ex-husband's in contempt of court. So just, just bear that in mind. But not that that's going to help very much because if he's going to pay the money later this month, by the time this, this, that action takes place and it's costly. But let me make this point. Your, your daughter certainly had, should have put have the, 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 the retirement fund should certainly have considered your daughter as a dependent. And if, the, if, if, and if she was brought forward as a dependent or they missed her as being a dependent, then you need to go back to them and then they need to relook at that because they had, they, had every, they had an obligation under Section 37C to find out all of, who are all the dependents possible. And that's why so often pension fund claims are delayed, because they, they're trying to investigate through counsellors and all those type of things. But, Charmaine, I don't know if, if I understand you correctly, he's still alive, eh? Yes, he's working now in okay. another company too. And I think he's already took his provident fund from... From the engineering company that he Oh, with. I see. And I see. Okay. Okay. I, 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 I see. I see the point there. Okay. Yes. So, so Brian, basically, then it's about this pension fund from a previous job that yeah. 
he could well have taken, maybe has withdrawn, maybe you don't know what he might have done with that money. Correct. Mm. If, if there was, a, if he had died and he was a member, then she definitely have a claim. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it looks like that she that he is paying paying some maintenance towards her. I don't know his financial circumstances, but then obviously if it's costing a lot more, you have a choice. You can go and you can go to the maintenance court and put together a case why there should be a, a, a higher claim. I mean, there's nothing stopping you doing that. Mm. The only thing is it's obviously always costly and these things take time. And and in terms of, 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 of getting her daughter as a dependent on his pension, what must she do there? Well, if he's got a pension fund and he's supporting it, she'll always be a dependent, doesn't it? She, she, you know, if something happens to him, then obviously the daughter's going to come forward as a mm. dependent on her late father's pension. So, so, so is, it, is it hard to then lodge a claim while he's still alive? No, you can't lodge a claim on his pension fund while he's still alive. That's only, yes. only on death. Yes, that's yeah. what I wanted yeah. us to get yeah. to. Only on death, no, but, sorry. Yeah, but the woman that he's got now, she even refused, stopped him from paying maintenance. Well, but you said the maintenance is even a while of the court. In, she was in school. Hmm. Yes, but we went to court and then even now the judge didn't want my daughter to speak because she said uh, the reason why we had the case is because she wanted... Him, them to put a garnishing order on his money because he, he defaults. Oh, he so, promised so the court he'd pay yeah. and then he defaults. He's not doing a and very good job. And then it's hard to run up down to court. Yeah, that's the, yeah it's laborious and also costly. Mm-hmm. So what did happen yeah. now? If there's Now, is there a court order? Um, there was, but not for, um, it's not like a warrant or something. It's just for him to appear. Because he hasn't paid. For long. Because he hasn't paid. Yeah, he hardly paid. He didn't pay the whole of last year, and now they want me to get all the from the bank all the statements, um, statements, which is costing mm-hmm. me a lot. It's costing me like three thousand for the mm-hmm. three years. Oh, Charmaine, it sounds like an it's incredible. Well, Charmaine, when you put your yeah. claim in, you must put all these extra costs in as well. And you know, you, it's amazing but sometimes. The judge, was, the yeah. judge took the ma- the men's side. They refused to let the woman even speak, or even my daughter. Well, you know, the, the, so the, he just the, shut her up and uh, tell her to just stay aside. You know, justice is, has a blindfold. If you look at the old Bailey at the top of the old Bailey, you'll mm-hmm. see the scales of justice and the, and and the statue mm-hmm. is blindfolded because it, it it shouldn't take into account anything other than That's the law. She couldn't even tell him to put a garnishing order because he's just shutting her up. You don't want to hear what mm. she has to say. Yet he wanted her in there and he chased me out. He says, no, she can speak for herself. Yeah, Charmaine, mm. I'm so sorry about what you're going through. And Charmaine, have, yeah. you got, have you got insurance? Have you got short-term insurance with any of the... Um, all my insurance is left when I stop work because I'm, I'm athletic, I can't work. I'm really, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. Well. Yes. I'll tell you why I mentioned that. Some of the insurance companies have legal services and the policy covers some legal rights. I don't know exactly what that short term. Mm-hmm. That's where you have your householders and all risks and motor, your, your general insurance. And some of them do have the ability for legal costs to help you. Or then you've got to go and find someone to do it, uh, do it pro bono. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um, we're going to take your phone number back now. I'm not making any promises. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll talk to 
uh, one of the two of the legal people I deal with to see if there's anything we can do to help you. We'll just take your number. Uh, okay, ba- back thank now. you so much. Okay, maybe maybe that'll be a, a good deed for Women's Day. <laughs> and and I can see you smiling now. And I can tell everyone the fire is out. I, I was about to throw you under the bus, but I'm deciding to be a good citizen. Yeah, the fire of this. is out. I, I'm, I'm deciding yeah. to be a good citizen of this country. <laughs> All of the best, Charmaine. And too many women are, are going through what she's she's going through. I mean, the maintenance courts are just a, a story on their own, yeah. right? A yeah. story on their own. Um, all right, Brian, your contact details? Uh, 011-880-4888. 011-880-4888. Please, I am a little bit behind. Uh, by the way, I hope you all got your, your... We had over 330 requests for the formula last week. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. So I hope all of you... We have sent out uh, explanation on it. So if you didn't get it, please use that email number address again. Uh, I wish you, everyone a good day, a lovely a Women's Day, and I hope you have st- your day starts to get better, Kathy. He, he's, he's behind because he went on a nice little cruise there in the bushes the other day. He was busy whining and dining with the elephants and the rhino. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bye-bye, Brian. Bye-bye, darling.